G'day gang, Simo and Ed. And this week, we're talking about, well, we're gonna have a look at what's the real value in your go-kart track? And is there anything that's actually really saleable? Interesting. It is, I think it's something that crops up all the time and we'll be sitting there scratching your heads now wondering why you're not getting millions and millions of dollars and pounds in return for all your blood, sweat and tears over the last few years. That's it. Well, g'day, Simo, Ed, and you're watching the Fastline Track Growth Show, where we're talking all things karting and business. And this week, we talk about the real value of your kart track. We do, indeed. Mm. I think there's no one way to, to really put a value on something. Yeah, everyone has their own ways. They will You've do. got the textbook ways, and then you've got others. But So we're going to have a look at the various people that are involved in it. That yeah. are involved in it and what they're looking for yeah. in a business that they want to invest in. Well, yeah, let, I mean, let's start with the track owner. I've done a bit of M&A work, a bit of merger acquisition work for a friend of mine. He said, it's like no other industry you've ever heard of before. And you're probably all nodding along thinking, I'm talking about the karting industry, but every sector says this. But it is fairly true that most sectors have their own nuances and bits and pieces. But it's entirely possible you sit there going, I've built a really good track here, it's worth a million or whatever the figure is. A million is a figure that crops up a lot in these sales processes. So you're sitting there thinking, well, you know what, I've done well, I'm thinking of selling up. I will go and get some really good advice who do you go to? Well, yeah, <laughs> this is interesting. So the first thing I'd do, you jot down who you just won there in the next few seconds. Who would you have gone to to go and get the advice on um, how much your business is worth hmm. and uh, go about selling it? I'm, I'm guessing there's a couple of suspects here. Yeah. Probably the first, one of the top ones that they'll put there is the accountant. The accountant. Yeah, you go, I know somebody who knows numbers and understands mm -hmm. business. I'll go and speak to the accountants. Hmm. Not a great move. No. The accountants are probably throwing stuff at the screen yeah. right now. But don't go to your accountant, first of all. Involve them. I mean, I'm not cutting them out. I just think it's a really poor starting point to go and get them to go and value your business. Numbers of times I've seen the financials come back. <coughs> the telltale sign is goodwill. Yeah. And I'm like, what does that mean? And then I've had a definition of what goodwill is. But I, I can't finance goodwill. No. I need something substantial to go and justify the price. And Goodwill's just like, uh, the first thing that I do when I go and do M&A work, if I see mm. the word Goodwill in there, get my pen out. Cross it off, deduct it from the bottom line. It also tells me you've spoken to your accountant. <laughs> so I now know you've probably overvalued your business. Mm. Now, not always, I've got to stress, but often, most, more than half mm. is, is most. Mm. But no, so often. I sit down with a business that's been valued with that word goodwill in there and go, you spoke to your accountant yet? Yeah, I'm looking at the figures going, how the hell have they justified this? And there's normally, uh, quite often, percentage fees in there and stuff for other people. And there's all sorts of bits and pieces in there. Sometimes the accountant has a percentage interest in, in that figure. So they're sitting back, not having to really do too much whilst inflating a figure and letting you go and do all the hard work while you're naming your sort of, you know, your retirement mm. and everything or whatever you want to do with your next project, potentially, mm. on with the value of the track. You're sitting there going like, how on earth have they justified that? Mm. So I think I'd keep the accountant out of it, first of all. I'm going to tell mm. you who, I'd, who I would get involved mm. in, in, in just a moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. Accountants, 
another kind of group that get involved there are these business brokers. Now, there's plenty of them out there. I'm getting calls all the time. I'm getting yes. emails all the time. I'm getting letters all the time. Want to sell your business? We've got these people interested. Yeah. You know? And if you're watching, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody can afford you. <laughs> Haven't you had a figure done by your accountant? <laughs> yeah, business brokers, they drive me nuts. Right, I've, I've actually met a pretty decent mm. one recently. Yeah, well, you know, we played a bit of golf, which helps. Mm. We had uh, me playing my golf for quite a long mm. time to talk on quite a decent course nearby where I live. And he was refreshingly different. It's the first time, this is real grey hair, first time mm. in a long time, I've heard somebody go, well, you never quite know mm. what a business really is worth. Mm. I go, well, how do you deal with it? Yeah, he goes, well, there's a few factors. And we started mm. talking, and it's the first one I've met, and I've met a few. <laughs> where I actually had a sensible conversation with him. Most business brokers, he didn't need the business. He's been doing it for a long time. Mm. He's, he's even older than me, <laughs> right? He's been doing it a long time. He doesn't need the money. His approach is so more relaxed, right? There's lots of brokers out there. You can set up, I think there's even franchises where you can become a business broker tomorrow after a two week training course and you go out there and of course you're trying to make fees, usually percentage based. So what do you do? You inflate the prices. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell? How have you justified this? Now the problem is, quite often, you sit down with a business broker, from the buyer's point of view, because I've been there, mm -hmm. you turn up and they go, well, I've got a, the last time I did it, it was for a um, care environment, health and social care environment. So I turn up and the business broker's told them, yeah, this business is worth 1.2 million. Yeah, great. So they've now got all their hopes, dreams, yeah. aspirations. They've told all their friends, oh, I've got a million pound business here. Mm. And we're sitting down looking at it. And it's just crazy. Just as an anecdote, mm. one of the worst ones I saw, we were sat in Manchester, just uh, north of England, in the northern part of England. I mean, my friend is sitting, looking through the, all the sort of, you know, assets mm. and everything. And I went, Does that, is that right? There's a property in here. Oh, that's mine. Like, yeah, that's the property, but it's owned by the business. It's it's, it's on your it's like on your balance sheets here. I don't know. That's where I'm retiring to. Okay, you did realise you've just had your val your business valued with that asset on there, and it's a six hundred thousand pound property. Because <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking yeah. this is going to be the easiest deal to finance mm. ever, mm. probably undervalued. Mm. No, no, no. That's the property I'm keeping. But the business broker hadn't he also didn't understand that there was assets on there based it on just pure business. Anyway, I digress. So his one point two million was just business on, like revenue figures with very little asset. Turned turns out to be a six hundred pound six hundred thousand pound business. Well immediately if you take the yeah, asset yeah. out. And then when you really bottled mm. it down it was just uh, a flaky database and, the, and a couple of people with some phones up in Manchester, but let's not get too sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the world that mm. they operate in sometimes. So you're probably sitting there thinking, right, I'm gonna go and sell, I'm gonna have a chat with an accountant, I'm gonna have a chat with the business broker. Probably not. No. I probably wanna think long and hard. I'm not gonna give you the answers, but you can reach out mm. and we'll have a chat. But you probably want to think about who you want to buy the business first of all, mm. and then make it really easy for people to go and buy that business. Yeah. But what that will do is it will start to highlight the true value of your business along mm. the way. And what I mean by that is if you're going to go and reach out to somebody, you think, right, I want this person over here to buy it, right? They're probably going to need a bit of finance, not always, mm. but often, or even mm. there's a consideration of cash. It's like, mm. what is the opportunity lost by them putting cash into your business? 
right? I know mm. you're looking at it as, what do you mean, lost opportunities? Mm. This is all uh, gravy, my friend. <laughs> but this is what they're thinking. Mm. So what you probably need to do is have a think first about who you're going to sell it to and also how they're going to fund the purchase of the business and then make it really obvious that you've got something that will fit in with that criteria. Mm -hmm. Then tell your accountant afterwards. So how do, how do finance and banks yeah, value so, businesses? So there's probably going to be a bank involved mm -hmm. at some point. More than likely. Yeah, yeah, this, this is mm. common, even with people that have got lots of money, quite often they'll look to get financing instead of spend mm. all their own, own cash. Mm. Really sensible move, it's, that's really sensible ways mm. to, to take on proper debt, as I call it, mm. as opposed to the crazy unsecured stuff you're doing, buying clothes and cars and things. So the banks are going to get involved mm. at some point. Well, we have a thing over in the UK, I'm not sure if it's universal globally, but EBITDA, you probably have that in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what you want, what the banks are probably going to look at is EBITDA figure, and I can't remember what it all stands for. It's earnings, earnings before interest tax. Extraordinaries, is it? No, no, amortization. <laughs> I can't remember what the D is. Debt. <laughs> you want the EBITDA figure, mm -hmm. and what that gives the uh, the buyer and the banks is a real net figure on what you're actually generating in real terms on your business. Mm -hmm. So they've done all the calculations. Your accountants certainly in the UK will know that. I'm guessing Australia. I can't see, mm. it might be called something else in America, but mm. I can't see it being too different. But you want that net figure. And there's probably a multiplier in your sector. Mm. Right now, I'm thinking go-karting, but it might come into leisure sector. But banks typically know that they will lend three times EBITDA in France, on mm. something that is a go-kart track. So have a chat with your bank. Get get a relationship managers. Go and find the people that are doing the finance and ask them. Go, what, what multiples do you work on? Now they'll think you're buying, so you can tell them that. So you can mm. maintain the relationship for a while. But they might get a new customer mm. out of this. But also, there's an EBITDA times multiple. You can factor in some of the assets back mm. into that. Most people will sit down and they'll say, let's keep it nice and broad brush stroke. Let's say there's a car track owner sitting there going, right, well, I've just spent 350000 on all my assets. So that's worth 350000 No. <laughs> and, and no, because... Because <laughs> they depreciate. Exactly. They're not worth a lot of money. I used to be in the insolvency game. We'd be working on 10% of what you bought it for. <laughs> if you've got a working go-kart and it's been running for six or seven months, it's probably got a high value in there. Mm. And you can get into the granular detail. But whatever you paid for your assets, it ain't worth that on paper. No. Now, you can factor some of that in and it will help the banks because it gives them a little bit of security factor. Mm. But don't over-egg it. So you've got to really work that out. And also, the other thing the banks are looking at is the back story. Yeah. They want to know what your vision is. Mm. So you've got to get this all set up and have a conversation. I can only relate it specifically to the guy that I was working for last mm. time to go and help him put a few deals together. He's steeped in health and social care. So he's got a management team that's steeped in health and social mm. care and they've spotted a gap in the market. So all of a sudden, three funders stepped mm. forward and went, really, tell us mm. more. So they were interested in the story, first of all. We hadn't even gotten through plan down. We're going, how much money can we have? They're going, oh, 10, 12 million. But it didn't quite pan out like that, because it never does. 
but they were very, very interested, and we did manage to put a few deals together. Well, I mean, any time we've we'll ever tried to go for a, for a loan. What's at the beginning of our document? Our bloody story. Do they ask that in the beginning these days? No, no, we do that. Oh, you do we, that. We've always done that. It's sort of like we, we, we portray our vision mm -hmm. of the future and we have a little bit of story yeah. about the business that we're in at the time. Well, you, my, you know. well my, that was my job in that last M&A. Mm. So not putting that story together at the beginning of a document, mm. but we just hand them the figures. Yes. Right, so the, the two guys that got it, one's mm. like uh, entrepreneurial, understands mm. the market, here's the gap. Mm. One was finance numbers, <coughs> understands the market, mm. understands everything around mm. that. And then what happens is we present that to the bank and then some tosser from the bank mm. sits over across the desk. Mm. And the first thing they go is, that's great, how does this work? And you're like, it's in the document. But mm. they're not asking that, they're asking the story. So at the point, the numbers guy is like now ready to just kick them out of his office. How dare they? He's put everything together and all the figures add up and all the, 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 dotted the I's across the T. And the entrepreneurial guy spotted the, the gap in the markets going, can't you see it? I was like, no, guys, go and make yourselves a cup of tea and coffee while I just go and sit and explain to him because I've got to build a bridge. And that's that story. Mm. And that is so crucial if you're going to go and get the banks involved. And it's going to happen for most buyers. So really, really, really crucial. Next people who might buy? <sighs> pension funds, VC, capital. Yeah, pension funds or venture capital yeah. companies. Mm. I think size matters here. Oh, ab absolutely. <laughs> if you're one track, I don't know what you're turning over. I don't know what your revenue mm. figures are, right? If you've got one track and your revenue figures are probably touching somewhere over 10, mm. 10 mil, you can probably, there might be a pension mm. fund out there, a small one, or there might be a VC mm. company that would be interested. But, you know, a lot of a lot of VC companies have leisure arms. Yeah, yeah. And, you, you know, they will, they will usually buy up a decent size multi-track operation yeah now if you're not multi-track though mm. so this is important if you're not multi-track i'd be looking for vc company or pension funds i'd rather sell to but it mm. might have to go to vc that wants to fold into their current empire mm. what i've got on offer in this instance a, a cart track you mm. may have other bits and pieces going on at your cart mm. track in which case you're now a perfect fit for them mm. but if you're not i'll go and do a little bit of a sales job so i'm going to reach out to them and find out what they're looking for. Now, pension fund or VC looking for very different things, mainly returns. Yeah. So I keep hearing, and it changes, and they're a bit coy about this, mm. but I used to know quite a few VC people back in the day when I had my insolvency mm. business that I was running, and they used to, currently, they used to often say, but the the golden return, as they used to call it mm. quite often, and it's 28%. Mm. So whatever they take on board, they want to make 28% return. Mm. You're going they, they, great. They, they tend to be. They tend to focus more on cash flow too. Yeah, they, well, definitely. Mm. But they're looking for. So they want to know cash flow in terms of meeting the requirements of the loan. That's mm. so. Can you sustain the payment on the loan? Mm. That's the question they're asking. Not necessarily cash flow. Mm. Very close, but similar thing. The next thing they're looking is twenty eight percent return. And everybody goes, "Wow, that's cool. We could grow this by twenty eight percent over twelve or eighteen months." Mm. You know, great, we're on board, aren't we? No, because they've got a portfolio of companies and some mm. of them ain't going to make it and, mm. and there'll be a couple of unicorns in there mm. that go and double and all the rest of it and they need to have an average of 28%. Mm. 
So you want to really get into the skin of the VC and find out what they're really, really interested in. Whereas a pension fund company is probably, they're thinking longer term, typically. Mm -hmm. VCs are probably getting in and getting out. So yeah, that, it's typically, what, five years? Yeah, they might go to seven. Mm -hmm. But they might have a seven-year agreement to look to get out in mm -hmm. five. Uh, they'll be... I mean, there'll be like a cracky how long's a piece of string, so there'll be others that are in different lengths, but that's but, not uncommon. But VC-backed companies, mm -hmm. I think, in a lot of instances, are a disaster waiting to happen. Go on. 28%. So, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, the, the first one who buys in, great. <clears throat> they just grow the venues. Bang. They, yeah. get, they sell. They get the 28%. Mm -hmm. The next one... He adds a whole lot more venues, yep. grows it 28%, sells it, bang. If that keeps going on, sooner or later, if they're not investing yep. in, 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 in making sure they've got the right systems yep. and the centres are profitable, mm -hmm. um, someone's going to get caught with a hot potato. Yeah, well, and this has happened in the high street time and time again oh, yeah. with VC-backed food chain restaurants. I mean, how many yeah, of them yeah. have we seen go pop? I, I think this happens a lot. Mm. And I think if some of them have got... Uh, anyway, let's not focus. <laughs> I was going to say something. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of reasons why they may or may not do that. You might want to go to VC, though, because they can bring in management teams. You might not want to go to VC because they bring in management teams. Right? As soon as you sign the paperwork, not only will you lose complete control of your business, regardless of what they tell you, Right. The next thing that will happen is all of a sudden you'll have all these people around yeah. you. And if some of your payment is sort of bonus based, you've got to tread mm. so carefully because you've lost control of your business as soon as that bit of paper's signed. Mm. So I'm always I'm happy to go and have a look at VC. And there's some really good angel investors out there, actually. They can be really smart people to get hold of. They're hard to find, but they're great when you get hold of them. But true VC, uh, yeah. I'm always uh, very careful about who you get into bed with there. Pension funds, however, tend to think more long-term. Yeah. You know, they are looking in terms of 20, 30, 40 years, right? They're wondering, is, is it the go-kart track? Yeah. Now, I wonder whether it is go-kart in its current format yeah. for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. So your systems are going to be interesting. Your senior management team will be interesting to both these yeah. groups. But your story more than ever. You know, yeah. so where is it heading? Yeah. Why should we invest? How are you going to ensure longevity mm. for us? So they might be interested. Now, um, I would also do a bit of background checking. Are they interested in karting or leisure? Or are they interested in the land you sat on? Yes. Um, and I've seen this a few times. <laughs> Having mm. wor worked in the world of uh, you know, insolvency, mm. what's going on? I don't know, I had a profitable business, all this stuff's going on, but... Many started to dry up in the bank, they want to play ball, and now they've got people lined up. What, they're lined up for a business that's not working? Yeah, it's really peculiar. Hmm, it's nice land you're sat on, just, you know, just outside of a major city, and um, there's a little building coming through this way, you know, or we've got HS2, a big train track being uh, delivered in the, the UK. Oh, they were looking to put a train station somewhere. This would be prime, wouldn't it? So that sort of stuff, uh, that hasn't gone, mm. by the way, it might have done, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm unaware, I'm not saying. But that is the sort of conversations that might go on. But again, we're looking at systems, we're looking at management, we're looking at that backstory. Mm. You'll start to see a theme in a minute. <laughs> mm. 
And the third lot of people? Entrepreneurs and uh, hobby owners. Yeah, possibly existing think, track owners. Yeah. But existing track owners wanting yeah. to build up their number of venues they've got. There's, yeah. there's a couple around the world that are doing that at the moment. There's yeah. a crowd over in America, there's a crowd here. I'd be very tempted if I was a car owner, I think, for going for acquisition where possible. There's lots of variables in that comment. I'm sure you're bright enough and smart mm. enough to work mm. that out, but I'd probably be looking for acquisition because I can just scale that really quickly. And if I do that well, and I've got finance, mm. and I've got a finance credit line mm. open to me, mm. then I can start to really plan and, and move. And we won't go into too much detail. I don't want to just take on one more track. If I've got well, one track, I don't want one more. If I've got one track, I want yeah. three or four more, but <laughs> for another yeah. day maybe. <laughs> There's efficiencies in scaling. Yeah, you know? yeah. Two, having two tracks doesn't mean you bring in twice the revenue. No. Well, two is difficult. Three, you're probably going to find a loss yeah. in your own personal mm. bank account. Right, that's going to hurt. You need to get to about five, isn't it? Yeah. And then once you're going back for a credit line and going, I've got another one, the bank's mm. looking at you going, but you're earning less money than you were when you first met us. Mm. I think we're going to lend on that. So you've really got to get everything lined up and have a think about who you're selling to and, and why and, and how you want to scale if you're looking to purchase. But if you are looking to purchase, yeah, yeah. if you are looking to grow your venues, yeah. right, you still need that story to sell it to the bank. You do. You still need that management team, mm -hmm. right? And, and you still need all of those systems the system. and procedures. Because if, if you've got a cookie cutter mm -hmm. model that you can just roll in and you've got the senior management staff that can implement that, yeah. you're going to do a lot better. I mean, I've seen before when people have tried to take on additional tracks yep. and they don't have those things. They don't have the story. They don't have a way to generate rhythmic acquisition of clients acquisition of clients and they don't have that systems and the procedures and things but like this you've got to be able to turn the cash mm. on yeah and if you can turn the cash on people go oh that's great we've got lots mm. more cash and everybody will be happy but it's it's the next stage of reinvestment mm. of that extra mm. cash that will make or break the track mm. Right, so, but everybody talks about systems, they talk about senior management, they talk about the story, but what the heck are they? Well, I'd love to go into that today, but... We don't have time. We don't have time today, but good news, you know how this works, we've got another video coming in a week's time. Yep, and we'll get into a bit more detail on that. Yeah, so we're going to look at the systems, mm. we're going to just talk a bit more about around about cash flow, but it will be the difference between having a track that's never going to sell for a mill, and one that they'll be biting your arm off for mm. now. We've let you know about a few people that I'll be approaching before the accountants and the business broker. So when I approach them, they've also got the story. So everybody's lined up now for a fantastic sale and a, and a very happy retirement mm. or next project. All right. Well, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio from me. And we'll see you next week. See you in a bit.